Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's done it again! Marcus Rashford on his Premier League debut! Aguero! Harry Kane does it again for Tottenham Hotspur! Leicester City! Leicester City are the champions of England! What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on FRS. My name is Sebastian Oren. With me, Pauly Christel and Elliot Niblock. And it's time to wrap up the 2017-2018 Premier League season. We had the final match day on Sunday. And uh, big takeaway is, of course, that Arsene Wenger gets to leave with a win. <laughs> well, it's certainly, it was certainly a nice thing from the weekend. I mean, I, it's not exactly a game that's going to be remembered as one of his greatest of all time, but uh, it's still pleasant not only to finally get an away victory for the first time in this calendar year, but it also, you know, sending him off with three points felt nice. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, also, Manchester City, the league champions, clocking in at... 100 points even after uh, defeating Southampton. Only one nothing. Um, Jesus with the lone goal in that one. It came late too. Stoppage time. But they managed to grab 100 points. And uh, Paulius is the, the best team in the Premier League era. Or best team ever. As you jotted down here in a little rundown. Um, they're, they're the best Premier League team ever. Uh, probably. That, I mean, that's where yeah, the debate, but, yeah, that's where the that. debate's going to go. The debate's going to go is, um, are you the best team? Are you the best Premier, what, Premier League team because you got a hundred points or is Arsenal the best one because they never lost a game? I would tend to say, uh, while not losing a game is very impressive uh, City did more, like they won more games. They did, they they did more in those games. You know how many games were Arsenal just scrapped out a draw or had a draw and didn't do enough to win versus how many games were City, you know, did enough well, to win. Well, see, I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think that in terms of the the raw quality of the squad and the consistency of how high their ceiling was, which is like hitting teams for four, hitting teams for five week after week. Yeah, you have to give City credit for that. But I think there's also something to be said for the ability of a team, like a, not just like a squad, right? Like a, a team mentality to grind out results, even if they aren't beautiful. And I think that, you know, overall, in terms of what wins championships, even if the former of high-flying goal scoring is more fun to watch and maybe more, you know, initially exciting... I think the latter is more impressive because it's more important in how to win a championship. Yeah, but what you just said was a team that, like, I mean, ultimately what it comes down to right now is City are a much better team than everybody else. And that's why they just destroyed everybody. So what what comes down to it is the competitive balance when Arsenal did what they did, um, 
it was greater. You know, first of all, yeah, well, we okay. didn't, it, and and Arsenal weren't that much better than everybody else, which means pretty much everybody walked in to Highbury or wherever or welcomed Arsenal into their home, and you had a chance for the result to go either way. And Arsenal were so good at they made sure that one of those results, you know, a result could have been a win, a draw, or a loss. And Arsenal, every single week, made sure that the, the result was only one of two outcomes, as opposed to City, who are just so much better than everybody else that it was just they were hitting 3-4 against everybody. They just, and, you know, it, it was so much better. So, yes, it's probably a bigger like accomplishment that they grinded out all those wins. I don't know if that makes them a better team than than City. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really important distinction. And I agree with you entirely there, right? That like the accomplishment of finishing a 38 game premier league season undefeated is a more remarkable accomplishment, but not, but the thing is that not only to your point, Paulie, about the fact that City are consistently beating their opponents by a huge margin and showing the golfing class, but in addition to that golfing class between City and the rest of the pack, I also think that the overall quality within the Premier League now versus the Invincibles, you know, 14 years ago, it's way, way better on the whole. It's more competitive in general. And so not only the golfing class that they showed, but also the different era, you know, now a decade and a half hence from the Invincible season shows that, yeah, okay, this is arguably and I think probably the greatest premiership team of all time. The quality thing, and I and we'll, we'll touch on this later when we talk about the league as a whole and the relegation thing. The quality thing I think is a different story now than it is then in a different way. The The difference now being is um, the, the thing that I would say is whether, you know, they are the best Premier League team to ever play. Even though they, they did lose a couple of games, they, they, there were 114 points up for grass and they got 100 of them, which is yeah. just simply <laughs> incredible. Like, what the hell? But I don't think they're the best team in the Premier League era, ever. And I think... That distinction goes, I think they, you know, if they were that good, they should have been able, and, and I hold this against Arsenal also, and my biggest knock on Arsenal is that they, they won nothing. Like, that team had so many good players, and they only won the league, and then they won the FA Cup the following season on penalties, and then they went into oblivion, and they got to sit, and they, you know, they had to get rid of everybody and whatnot. But this City team, all they did was they won, they won the league in great fashion, and they won the League Cup, but that wasn't well, the same players. But, but I feel like now you're kind of mixing the distinction that you and I were working towards earlier between the abs- like the quality of the team and then the like how remarkable their accomplishments are. Right. Well, because- I'm I'm making a distinction here between playing in like being the best Premier League team, which they were. So if you are only playing in the Premier League and that's all you have to worry about, no one's better than City. But were they the best team to have ever played? you know, in the Premier League era when you encompass everything. And I don't think they they were because I think it's more impressive when you do win multiple things at once. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What do you think, Seb? Well, it's, it's hard, too, because I feel like being a part and watching all those games where Arsenal went undefeated and being a lot younger, I was much more mesmerized and impressed by that than what I am of today's city. I feel like it's we still had some even though, you know, the league 
had gotten really big and the money started coming in, there was, I personally feel like there was more charm back then, even back then. Mm. Than oh, there's a lot right more now. charm back then. And I mean, it's a lot more. When City, you know, comes in and they pump in all this oil money. And so, I mean, I would personally, I, I feel like what Arsenal did is it's cooler in my book, yeah. but more, yeah, more impressive. But yeah, I mean, you, know, you can't, well, saw, you, you just, you can't talk away a hundred points, a hundred points. It's amazing. I just, I, yeah, I think no. in terms of teams that played in the, in the Premier League era, it's not the best team ever. Because again, like if you look and I, and I understand that everybody will, point at me and, and say I'm biased and I understand that I probably am. Hey, I'll but when back you, you look, up. <laughs> but when you look at those United teams that won yes. multiple multiple trophies, you know, they they not only did they win multiple trophies, not only did the 99 team win the league and the FA Cup and and the Champions League. And not only did the 2008 team win the league and the Champions League double. Neither of those teams won the league until the final day of the season. So every so yes, while they didn't get as many points and they they lost games. When when push came to shove, every single day they had to bring it. And that '99 team, because of the way the schedule was, they they played the league on Sunday, the final game of the league on Sunday, where they had to win in order to win the title because they won the title by like a point. Um, they had to win in order to win it. Then on Wednesday they went to Barcelona and played in the Champions League final. And then on Saturday they were back in England to play in the FA Cup final. So they essentially had three cup finals in six days. Yep. And they won three trophies. And then uh, the 2008 team, they won. They had the final on uh, Sunday, and then I think, and then I think they had a week off or something before the Champions League final. But they didn't win that they, that trophy until the final day of the season. So they, at no point, were they ever able to switch off versus City, who won the league. They won the League Cup, but they used their reserves for that, and. And then when it came time to, you know, maybe if, if what I'm saying is if their focus was on, let's get a hundred points that distracted them from somewhere else. And they, and they slipped up and lost that somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I think beyond that, I mean, also like, I, I agree with you, right. In terms of that point, especially about three essentially cup finals in six days, but beyond that, my, my biggest question, all right, I'm going to make one caveat to their accomplishment, but then have a question after that. And the first is that, yeah, they've spent, they spent like $1.12 billion since the 2007-2008 season. And by comparison, the entirety of Arsene Wenger's reign, 22 years, Arsenal have spent $200 million. Well, wait, but wait, but like part of that is there's inflated transfer. Yes, no, absolutely. Now, I do, I do, I do definitely agree with you. City, a billion in the last decade. Them, even if you compare same. them side by side, like who did Arsenal sign? Like Bergkamp, Henri, um, Perez, uh, Vieira. Yeah. That's it. I mean, since two thousand. I mean, when you look at it from since two thousand eight, this is a completely different team. In two thousand eight, they were signing Rook, Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. Robinho, um, yeah. Jack Rodwell. Now they still have plenty of those guys because they can't get rid of them. But <laughs> yes, and and t- to your point, yes, when you spend that much money, like. You should get it. And the fact that United finished, uh, like, what, 19 points behind them is testament to to two things. One is, yeah, you spent a lot of money, so you got a lot of quality in, in your side. But they also spent the money on the right players. Uh, they, they didn't really have anybody that was bad this year. And 
they spent the money on a manager who was able to come in and get even more out of those players and take yeah. some of the players who um, may not have done so so well like in recent years or have fallen out of the way. I'm looking at you, Fabian Delft, and turn them into just totally yeah. capable, contributing well, players. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And here's here's my question on that point, is that I think that uh, on the face of it, at the end of this season, 100 points blowing teams out of the water regardless. I still agree with you that you know they, they still haven't reached those heights. But what if this is just the beginning, right? The manager is that key question because this is his second season in England. But he's clearly shown that his personal predilection seems to be to bounce around a little bit in recent years. But what if, what if this is the beginning of a tenure as long, if not longer, than he stayed at Barcelona? Because that is both, from the perspective of a rival fan, daunting, but also from the perspective of just a fan of the league and the sport in general, really exciting. Because I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm very scared about that. Because, well, yeah. again, like, <laughs> you know, they, they did this. They, they did this in a year, you know, like, they only got – the manager got something out of everybody. You know, they, they didn't have the player of the year this year. Now that just ha- – you know, they had a guy that was neck and neck with the guy for player of the year. But their winning striker scored 21 goals in the in the league, 30 in all competitions. You know, when United went and did this and uh, won the Champions League and the league double in 2008, their winning score had 32 goals. They're set, and they're, then they had somebody else who contributed um, with 18, and then Carlos Tevez probably contributed with whatever. I mean, City just – it was everybody. Like, well, yeah. it wasn't and, just I Kevin mean... De Bruyne. It wasn't just Aguero. They had Jesus. They had – Sane, they had Sane. Uh, Bernardo, they had Raheem Sterling had like 18 goals this year. I mean, it was just everybody. Well, and I think that you would you would have to be a cynic pretty deeply in terms of disliking City if you said seriously and honestly that you thought that we'd seen the best yet of either Gabriel Jesus or Leroy Sane. Oh, no, they still have the best, best yet of them, but I, yeah. I still, I mean, I'm, I'm still will be as cynical about City as I possibly can, yeah. but. Well, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to say this. I still think that the United 98-99 team would beat this City team. That's. I don't. Whoa. Ah, yeah, they would. I actually thought about this a couple days <laughs> yeah. ago. Um, the lovely and, and unanswerable because, thought experiments. Yeah, well, I but love it. Here's the thing. Like, here's the thing. That United team would rough them the hell up yes they yeah. would go i don't know if the i don't know if that team would versus like the one that stopped the arsenal winning streak I mean, where yeah. you know like when with the invincibles and and when they had rooney and they had Ronaldo, yeah, young, young rooney young and Ronaldo, who, Ronaldo, for, yeah. who neither of them were even close to the top of, to the to their best yet but they yeah. they still had roy Keane. Uh, they had a much older skulls and gigs and and Neville and and that team and real Ferdinand that team would physically um, f up Man City. Mm. Yep. I mean, one challenge into Kevin De Bruyne and, and who knows what he's doing. Although, yeah. let's be honest, like Deli Ali took a, a dirty challenge into Kevin De Bruyne this year, and De Bruyne literally responded by getting up, picking up the ball, and just taking it through Tottenham and scoring a goal. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look towards the bottom of the table and talk a little bit about the league as a whole this season. So stick around. 
Okay, and we're back. We uh, saw West Brom, Stoke, and Swansea fall out of the Premier League here. Swansea finishing 18th, Stoke 19th, and West Brom 20th. Swansea, though, had an abysmal finish to the season and even lost to Stoke on the final day. I told you, if there was one team worse than Stoke. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's the thing. The problem with the the league this year is they didn't relegate enough teams. Oh, you feel like they, <laughs> you feel like they could have kicked out more? Southampton doesn't deserve to stay in. Like, ah, I don't know. I mean, they they had a, an abysmal season. But I said this already that I have so much respect for their history and particularly their academy that you know I'm. Yeah, you, but then I don't fired know. Claude I don't know. Well, yeah, they... that was that was a that was a poor choice. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a major poor choice. And but here's here's the testament to really the league as a whole, and I think it's a problem with the league. If when you look around, and we we talked about this all year about teams they fire their managers too quickly. There's two ways to look at it because a lot of teams fire their managers and then and then rebound. There's two ways to look at it. One is your players aren't that bad. Uh, looking at you like Crystal Palace and Everton and um, West Ham. They fired their managers. Did they fire them too quickly? Maybe, like you could, you could say, okay, we were in danger of being relegated. But at the same time, it's November, and there's still a lot of season to play, and these things will tend to sort themselves out. The bad teams will be really bad, and your your good players will be good enough. Instead, um, Everton goes and they hire Big Sam, who guides them to, by the way, eighth place. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that ain't bad. Top half and, of the table. Yeah, and it's one. It's literally one spot below where they were last year. So that's where he guides them to because, well, their players are good enough. But, um, and then West Ham, they go to safety, but now they're not bringing – so Crystal Palace and Big Sam, we know who he is. He's a guy, he specializes in don't get relegated. We said it at the time, Big Sam will not – as soon as he got hired, we said – he will not be back at Everton next year. You know, yeah. he might have got he got that two year deal because of the fact that they had to buy out, like the fact that he wasn't getting his Crystal Palace money yeah. anymore. Um, we knew he wasn't going to be back next year, but that's what you get when you when you sign up. Yeah, for he's Sam. a parachute. He's a parachute. He keeps West you from Ham, falling, but he doesn't take him anywhere. West Ham signs David Moyes, who I would not sign if I was just going to be like, "Hey, David, save us from relegation," and then and then goodbye. But that's exactly what they did. They've now moved on from David Moyes, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah. Crystal Palace signed, they signed Roy Hodgson, who was a good fit for them, and boom, he turned them around, and he proved that, and he ain't going anywhere, and they will be good next year. They, they're probably going to lose Wilfred Zaha, and that's going to be a big loss. And oh, they're gonna God, to- I can't. I, I really hope that Fulham get promoted in a couple of weeks because I would no. love to see. What? No. What do you- Aston Villa. You, you want Aston, Aston Villa? Villa. Oh. Seb, get out of here. Come on. Yeah. Bring me here. John Terry back. Oh, Come no. on. Oh, bring me Craven God. Cottage back. Nice. No, bring me Villa John Park. Terry crying at Wembley again. That's Come on. What we, really need, we need one Birmingham team in the top flight. Come on. No, we don't. We need Craven Cottage, the best stadium yeah. in London. We need that. And I want to see Roy Hodgson in charge of Crystal Palace going back to Craven Cottage, and I guarantee you that he gets a standing ovation from the fans. And he's, as he should, and as he would. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll we'll just mention that real quick. Um, Fulham defeated Derby Derby two to one on aggregate in the one playoff semifinal, and then Aston Villa got a one nothing over Middlesbrough in the other one. Also, I happened to be on like Fulham's uh, Wikipedia page the other yes yesterday, and like they posted the team that the fans voted on their best team, like their best eleven of Premier League players. Holy hell, they had good guys. They had like really good players at, at certain points in their history. Uh, well, um, read me that eleven, please. Uh, give me one second. I mean, hey. the goalkeeper was Edwin Vandersar. Yeah. Oh yeah, they had Vandersar. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, so the goalkeeper was Edwin Vandersar. Wait, was that the, was that oh, before oh. or after his Juventus stint? Uh, I'm not sure. I can only look at one thing at a time. Okay. Goalkeeper was Edwin Vandersar. We had Finnan, Hughes, Breede, Hangeland, and Brevet as the defenders. Oh, yeah, I remember Hangeland. Um, midfielders was Quint Dempsey, Danny Murphy, Musa Dembele, Umba Morte, the Portuguese guy. Yeah, and the strikers, the strikers were Brian McBride and Luis Saha. That's a pretty yeah. freaking good team. Yep. And Saha? Yeah, oh, Saha. Yeah. Saha I had... United signed Saha from Fulham. Huh. Um, I, re- I remembered, you know, I remembered Mr. Dembele, Breda Hengeland, of course, Dempsey and McBride, but I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. And Vandersar yeah. as well. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Vandersar left Juventus and went to full. Yeah, Probably that's... got thrown out of there by Gigi Buffon. <laughs> um, well, was, wasn't that with the... Um... Uh, I'm trying, I'm mixing, my, I might be mixing up my timelines, but that's not after they got relegated right no Buffon was there when the scandal happened. okay 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 way before he left he left in 2001 the scandal 2001. was in 2006 okay okay so um but anyway yeah that's West a weird Ham move now, though yes anyway back to West Ham who have moved on from David Moyes yes. why like that's gonna be a disaster for them David Moyes is exactly what West Ham need and he is a perfectly capable manager if you if you were gonna come in here and say I and say he's too boring yeah, okay, he might be. He might be, but he is a perfectly capable manager. He is too boring for the club that you want. Yes. And he is a perfectly capable manager of coming into a team like West Ham and turning them into a form- formidable mid-table club, which is like what you should be because frankly, that's where they were this year. You know, where did West Ham finish? 13th. 13th. I mean, that's pretty much the middle of the table. Almost. But let's let's look at, you know, eighth was Everton, ninth was Leicester, so they dropped. Leicester dropped, they should have been higher. They probably should have been seventh. Newcastle's a newly promoted team. Crystal Palace, who finished 11th, they're a team that was in the relegation battle early in the season, and that's why they fired their manager. Bournemouth is a small team that everybody expects to be near the bottom. And then West Ham, Watford had a relegation scare as well. Then you had Brighton and Huddersfield that are the newly promoted teams. So, yeah, West Ham pretty much finished mid-table. And you can do that. David Moyes would be able to guide you to that safely without the relegation threat yeah. every year. Yeah, and but at the same time, I, my eyeballs would cry every time I watched them play. Well, but I don't, I don't okay, know so that Slavin Village is necessarily like that much of a huge attacking mastermind genius, but he just happened to have... Dimitri Payet in the height of his career, and then suddenly you have the most exciting West Ham team ever. You know, so I, I don't know that but, Moyes is necessarily like going to preclude them for that, or would have obviously so, it's moot now. Seb, that's exactly the point that I wanted to make when I was alluding to 
um, the, the difference in quality between what City had to deal with this year and what Arsenal used to have to deal with. The amount of money that have, that is in the Premier League now makes it so that teams can't afford to go out and buy quality. But when you buy quality, everything has to go right, and, and things have to, and you have to do things. And if you if you open your if you buy quality and you open yourselves up, like what Stoke found out, like when we open ourselves up, hey, we better be able to play well and be the better team and be able to defend. Otherwise, it's going to come. The ball's eventually going to come back this way, and it's going to be bad. Yeah. And what teams have done, really, because of the fact that the financial stipulations of staying in the Premier League is so big that they've all gone ultra defensive. You know, they are all Jose Mourinhoing this. Is we? I mean, Everton just finished eighth with big. First of all, they finished eighth with a minus 14 goal differential. Everybody outside the top six finished with a minus goal differential, which is the first time that's happened in over 100 years. That's Because shame. everybody's back because everybody, all right, Everton, they, they want to run Big Sam out of town. Their fans hate him. And they finished eighth. Why? Because he plays boring. And the reason that he plays boring is because that's what works in this league because everybody is playing to not lose because they don't, Year of relegation. Relegation is so extreme that nobody, even though they buy these good players, they can't really turn them loose. Yeah. Which is, it's ironic because the way that the game is moving is in that way. You look at United right now, who they're still playing that way. Jose Mourinho is still playing um, the defensive style and not turning his players loose. And they look like a dinosaur compared to the teams they're competing with. Tottenham attacks. Liverpool are the most are one of the most fun teams to watch. They're in the Champions League final. Real Madrid doesn't play any defense. They're in the Champions League final. Uh, Barcelona, they're, they could be exposed defensively. Um, Manchester City, as United proved, if you attack them, they could be exposed defensively. Uh, Bayern Munich, they can be exposed defensively. That's the way the game's going. And United are playing like this dinosaur that's sitting back and trying to defend, but so is the rest of the league. And we say the quality of the league might be better, but maybe it's just not. Maybe the league kind of dredge. I mean, well, I think the quality of the league is better, even if, you know, to your point that the massive amounts of money in the game kind of incentivizes that conservative defensive approach because you just at all costs, whatever you do, just don't go down and keep shaving off your chunk of that multi-billion dollar TV deal. I, I don't know. I just, I think 11, I think if, if you go back to 2012, let's, let's pick 2012 as your arbitrary year. If Bournemouth came up in 2012, I think we all would have fancied them to go right back down. And last yeah. year when they came up, I was like, yeah, you know, like one of these, one of the, uh, newly promoted teams is going to go back down, but I don't think it'll be Bournemouth. I think they've been playing together and, and they pick their spots. Well, I mean the target for survival used to be 40 points. That that was the, that was it. I remember the whole season that Lester won the title and Ranieri yeah. just kept saying 40, 40 points, points yep. 40 points. And then it was, and then when they did that, then it was like, okay, top half, top half. Then it was, all right, let's finish in the top four. So Southampton got 36 points and they were safe. That's not far from 40 points, but that's no. just as far as Newcastle were, and they finished 10th. 
Yeah. And they had 44. So from 10th to 17th, everybody is within eight points of each other, and they're all yeah. within eight, four points of 40. That's not a good league. Well, I don't know. That just that's a league that bespeaks a league with parity in turn, and you know that doesn't necessarily say the quality has also gone up. But I'm willing to say it, that yeah, the quality. Okay, is- so it bespeaks a league with parity, but Newcastle are a team that sit on their back foot and and wait to hit you on the counter. Crystal Palace played a straight up four four two and like and look to hit you hit you direct and on the counter. <coughs> um, Watford. Who like they have no <laughs> Who idea knows? what they were doing? Yeah. <laughs> Huddersfield are one of the most boring teams out there. You know, everybody tried to be boring. Yeah. That's what everybody tried. Stoke Stoke are the team that tried to open things up and they got relegated. Yeah. Hopefully Aston Stoke tried to open things up two years ago and, yeah, and West also, Brom. I mean, but Leicester also West Brom won got the title. tired of being boring. Leicester West Brom won got tired. Whatever. Because Leicester won the title with the basic philosophy of hit him on the counter and they won the title and granted it was because they had this perfect storm of this as yet undiscovered arguably best box-to-box defensive midfielder in the world in N'Golo Conte this speedster Jamie Vardy who just happened to hit the form of his lifetime at exactly the right time and then Riyad Mahrez being able to be the link up between those two for so many different goals but, but they, they still, weren't they still set up for counter-attacking is what I'm saying yes but they weren't for, well, yeah, but they also they weren't boring about it. And part of this is how many oh, of yeah, these teams that we just goals. what I said. Well, yeah, fair. They scored a lot of goals. Yeah, they weren't they weren't a boring team to watch. They were a fun team to watch. Like Huddersfield is just, they're even when they're playing well, they're boring as hell. Like um, Everton are are pretty boring. Burnley, who were great, they're boring as hell. West Brom got tired of being boring, so they fired their manager who employs being more boring so they could play a little bit more open and better, and boom, they are finished in last place. It, that's The way that the Premier League is set up now is that all these teams have, have decided, like, let's sit back and be... You could sit back and wait for your... Ca- and the diff- All right, here's the biggest difference right there. Leicester sat back and waited to counter on you. And, by the way, they had some... They had, like, some pretty good players. Remember, Jamie Vardy is, uh, yeah, he hit the form of his life, but he hasn't exactly become bad since then. No. Rion Mars is still really good. Uh, Danny Drinkwater is an, a is a good player, right? Maybe he's not the best midfielder out there. Maybe he's not the quality that should be at Chelsea, but he's a good player. Yes, and Golo Conte turned out to be incredible, but Leicester still tried to sit back and, and really attack you. These teams like Huddersfield and and uh, that you know all these teams at the bottom, the way they're playing now is it's not so much let's hit you on the counter. It's you know like let's pick our chances to get forward, get a set piece, and nick a goal off that, or like you know we'll pick our time to attack and hopefully we'll get a goal and, and we're gonna sit back and defend the rest of the game and not even counter, but just defend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on. Last little subject here of the day, um, and we'll continue to talk more later in the week about the league as a whole. Uh, the England national team squad will be revealed tomorrow, and from Sky Sports, Gareth Southgate's going for it. No Joe Hart and no Jack Wilshere. If mm-hmm. these reports are correct, we'll see tomorrow, but. Um, yeah, no Joe Hart. I mean, that's sort of the big one since he's been their starting goalie for quite a while. 
and it looks like Southgate will go with uh, Jack Butland, Jordan Pickford, and Nick Pope. Here's a question, and and forget, like take what he accomplished on the field out of the out of the equation. Like take how great of a player he was. Is this similar to Jurgen Klinsmann dropping Landon Donovan? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm about to make the argument that it is, but I I I mean I think you could make an argument that. Joe Hart brings a senior presence, and that could help these young these young keepers in Butland and Pickford. He's not very good, though. Correct, correct, but he's, correct. Yeah, but he's not great, and he's not a, a legend the way Landon Donovan is. I mean, I say that with a grain of salt. So, but so still. now, now what I'm saying is, forget the legendary status. Oh. So, like everything that you just said, yes, is that that's why that's why this is a story because he could have been a veteran presence um, out there. Um, and well, but the, but the big difference is that it, while Landon Donovan could come off the bench in the 75th, 80th, 85th minute and make an impact, you don't no, do that with a goalkeeper. No, he couldn't. I t- well, we, we'll never know. But I think well, he could. Uh, okay. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But here's, here's the thing is – and here's the reason why Landon Donovan got dropped was – Yes, he could be that veteran presence, but one, England, uh, not England, um, the U.S. had other veterans, and Tim Howard was pretty much, well, now I'm getting confused between position stuff. Donovan got dropped because um, they brought him on against Mexico in a friendly with Dempsey and Bradley and everything in a 2-2 game and said, okay, make your impact, and he looked like he had never played on the same field as Dempsey and Bradley before. So it was like, well, wait, like... um, you know, what What impact are you having? And if you had watched the U.S. for the two years prior to that, they were actually better with Graham Zuzi on the field than Donovan. And when Don, when Donovan got dropped, that allowed Klinsman to bring Graham Zuzi on against Ghana, who took the corner kick that led to John Brooks's goal. If Donovan's on the team, Donovan's going to be the one that gets brought on there. Whole different story. The reason Donovan got dropped was, yes, he could have been a veteran and someone like that, but the media attention would have been so much that, wait, Donovan's here. Why isn't he playing? Why didn't you bring Donovan on? So, yes, it's always good to have a um, a veteran goalie around there, but do you want your veteran goalie to be the guy that's made 100-something caps and is the one that all of a sudden got dropped now to, like, being the third keeper? You know, like, there's a reason that when the U.S. always – there's a reason the U.S. always took a veteran keeper to the World Cup as their number three keeper, but there was always like, it was Marcus Hanneman or Nick Ramondo. It was someone that just you know, happy to didn't be there. Play. Right. Well, not, not happy to be there, but like could be the veteran presence to help the young guys, but like, wasn't someone that, you know, they wouldn't take Tim Howard to the world cup if they weren't going to play Tim Howard. Yeah. Cause then all of a sudden the media attention is on, Whoa, like, is this guy okay with sitting on the bench and everything? I think at a certain point, the veteran presence, you get that you can get that from other players. You can get that from the coaches. But if you if you make it someone that has 100-something caps, then the, that's what the media is going to focus on, and that creates so much more pressure for the team. And if you look at the hints and whatever of what Gareth Southgate is going to do, and if you look at what he did in March, he's about to do something that England has never done. Like, he's really about to change England. And 
it might it might work and it might go up in flames but if it goes up in flames it won't go up in flames the same way that it always does yeah and well, we'll see kudos well, to him kudos to him for trying that i mean he's not ta- he's taking fabian delf and ashley young as his left backs because he's planning on playing with a back three kyle walker is going to be one of that three like Kyle Walker's not going to be playing as a wing back. He's going to be playing as the right center back. Um, he's he's doing something different. And and I mean, I was in England in March when they played those those friendlies, and the media they it was a weird thing from the media because they were kind of like, well, now's the time where we're su- supposed to turn on the hype machine and be like, hey, England's going to win the World Cup. But they were also very confused about what was going on. But they were also like. Wait, like we now have a have a coach who's not coming in with a predetermined style uh, of like we need to make the team conform to how I typically play, mm-hmm. and he's a he's a coach that's willing to try new things and he's willing to try to mold this team into the to the best way sh- it could be. He's trying to put to put um, Raheem Sterling in a situation where he'll be at his best. He's trying to put Harry Kane in a situation where he's going to be at his best. He's trying to put players that are going to work really hard like i mean in march it was the ox but now it'll be jesse lingard into a situation where it's hey go do jesse lingard things but also i need someone that's going to run hard and do the dirty work and that's you and i don't really think that jack wilshire fits into that maybe not i mean we'll we'll see there's a lot of good stuff in world cup less than a month away so we'll definitely keep talking about that as the squads come out. Uh, we're going to wrap things up here. As always, you can talk to us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren, Polly's P. Questel, and Elliot is Keats was better. Until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye. something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.